0: A planning decision, insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in your money.
2: Welcome in.
1: Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Keep in mind, if you call in and I give you some tough love, it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I'm not trying to help you. It's because sometimes a radio show can only solve so much in such a period of time, and when I hear flags go up, I'm just, you know, commenting for you. You know, yesterday I got a call from a guy who said, uh, I've got fun money, and I own some stocks that have gone up, and I don't know when to sell them. That, to me, is just a mess. First and foremost, I don't think there is such thing as fun money. If there is, it's called Vegas. Go play blackjack, try to get single-hand deck get the free drinks, have fun, relax, sit in the sun, have a cigar. That's fun money. I don't look at investing as, I think it'll humiliate you. In an up market, it's very, very good. Everyone looks smart. In a down market, you're going to lose. And unlike the housing market where you could you know just keep sitting in your mortgages and hope for it to come back, sometimes you don't have that option in stocks. You know, there's a high-flying company called Dendrian that was in the news because they've had some uh, failure on some price points, uh, failure on some uh, test results. And the stock once was very high-flying. I've been following it on and off in the news for a good 15 years. One point in time it was a $55 stock. Now it's a $3 stock. And they've got a great story. Whether they're working on the cure for cancer, whether they're working on, you know, how to soften your arteries, whether they're working on something for leukemia. It's a great story. Biotechs have great stories. And, you know, you'll you'll hear from someone who works at the company or... Anyway, you get the basic idea of what I'm throwing out there for you. Um, I saw an analyst throw out a $0 price target on it. So that's... Humbling. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Today's growth companies won't be tomorrow's growth companies. Today, the growth stocks are highlighted by Tesla and Michael Kors and Priceline and Green Mountain. There's no guarantee that that's going to be what works in the future. And there's also no guarantee, like at one point in time, Intel, Microsoft, Yahoo, com, Lycos, They all were growth stocks, and some of them lived, and some of them didn't. HP's getting an upgrade today. Citigroup Morgan Stanley, Citigroup analyst Jim Suva added HP's to the broker's U.S. focus list, citing identifiable positive catalysts for the stock. It's interesting, because I saw an analyst today come out on Microsoft and say that uh, Stifle Nicholas, in a note, the analyst said, you know, there's some headwinds with Windows, and you can't really ignore these headwinds that are coming. He had a $36 price target on the stock, but he removed that. He thinks Microsoft's software business and enterprise story is robust. It's worth at least $33, $34 a share. But he said average selling price contraction. Could Microsoft continue to sell Windows at 120 bucks, 130 bucks, 140 bucks, when Google will give it their operating system to you for free? And people like Apple are throwing out like nineteen dollars and forty dollar upgrades and things like that. Bill Ackman, large shareholder of JC Penney's, um, basically quit the board of directors. Um, he's under trading restrictions due to the fact he holds you know material non-public information as a former director. He may be able to sell shares once the quarter two blackout period lifted, but he also must follow guidelines of his stockholder agreement. So. Bill Ackman out at JC Penney's last week, he made the unfortunate, I would say, blunder. Some people think he's having a meltdown. Some people think he's just having fun. Some people think it's performance art. But he went out of his way to say, you know, JC JCPenney's vendors, they need to get paid. And that scares people. Because in the world of retail, you need product. Vendors need to know that you're going to pay for product. And he also went out of his way to say, hey, the new CEO, who was the old CEO before he put in Ron Johnson, he needs to go soon, so we need a new CEO. And the board directors got together and said, basically, shut up, Bill. Down in front, be quiet. So, lots of drama going on. I don't like drama. I tend to walk out of scenarios with drama. Um, what else do we have? Let's see, we got the SP 500 down 4, the Dow down 60, the NASDAQ down 15, 10 year Treasury up 2, gold down 6, oil down fractions. Um, gold is one of those interesting stories on the market right now because it worked so well basically since 9 11. There's no shortage of stories or angles. But when you had the Federal Reserve lowering the cost of money for a prolonged period of time, it creates a demand for something that's physical and something that's real. A hard asset versus, you know, printed money which is considered a soft asset. Summer love affair with gold it seems to be over. Some people are saying it could go as low as eleven hundred. Um, I would be cautious right now. I don't think there's a lot of money to be made on the downside. I don't think there's a lot of money to be made on the upside. So, other stories of note today. And there's, I think, plenty to think about. Um, Oracle CEO Larry Ellison's in the news. He says Apple is doomed without Steve Jobs. He said that Larry Page over at Google's evil. No, no, his actions are even what said. Let me correct that before I get a phone call from legal. Retail sales climbed today. Two-tenths of percent in July, car sales were dipping. Again, most of us think that summer is going to be a flop for retail, but fall and winter look good. Um, retail sales, again, are important because they're a great part of our economy. Employment gains and rising household wealth tied to higher home values and stock prices for giving Americans the confidence to spend, triggering improving sales at companies such as Michael Kors. Consumers still able to go out there and spend despite headwinds from tax increases in the sequester. Breaking Bad really did well for AMC. They pulled in 5.9 million viewers on the show's final run. In the all-important 18 to 49 demographic, 3.6 million viewers. Strong numbers for Breaking Bad helped boost the numbers of the show following at Low Winter Sun, which averaged 2.5 million viewers. Um, So year over year, the premiere, up 83%. AMC is publicly traded. There's a lot going on there. Each your calls near. It's 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money investing in more. Pick up the phone and give me a call. 800 516 1220. Drop me an email. Rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. We'll take a break here. we will be right back.
0: black online at robblack.com now back to rob black and your money on am 1220
1: kdow a lot of people are looking at september as kind of a sharknado type of moment where we're going to hear about a new fed chairman we're going to hear about deficit battles debt ceilings So a lot of people see a lot of perfect confluences coming together. Plus, I think we may get the sequel to Sharknado in September. I'm a little bit more worried about next year. I think Obamacare is going to be interesting. You're going to have to have health care. The Affordable Care Act carries complex penalties for those who remain uninsured that could cost you hundreds of dollars. Some six million people could get hit with the fines in two thousand sixteen, forking over seven billion dollars to the federal government. Uninsured adults will pay either a flat fee for themselves and their children or pay a share of their income, whichever is greater. Ninety five bucks in twenty fourteen or one percent of your income in twenty fifteen through twenty five adult or two percent of your family income. Like, I see that as a lot of people don't have that kind of money. I just don't see how that's going to help our economy. But we'll see. Seems to me the poor will get poorer, but they'll have better health care. Um, SP 500 down 5, the Dow down 63, the NASDAQ down 18. Welcome in, CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I saw recently in a statement 58% of investors feel that the federal deficit is the biggest risk to long-term investing. I mostly agree with that because the federal deficit in Greece eventually caught up to them. They didn't raise enough taxes. They couldn't collect to to service that debt. Deficit equals debt.
2: It is, but Operation Twist, which was also known as QE2, that was announced. Sure. um, That really kind of refinanced some government debt from short-term to longer-term treasuries in the second phase of that. So it really pushes that problem out, you know, five to ten years because they put it in the longer end of the curve. So – Right now, it looks like it's a problem that just was pushed down the road. So I might be more concerned of that in five to ten years from now. More what I'm concerned about is who's going to print money the fastest, because as long as the dollar is stronger, commodity prices will stay level or fall. But if the dollar starts to weaken again, commodity prices go up, and then margins start to erode on some of the companies. You have to take a really close eye on what margins are doing since they're at all-time highs.
1: Some of these statistics scare me, Chad. Do you let, ever let them scare you? Like, for instance, I saw three-quarters of women will, be a, will hit poverty in retirement. That's a pretty scary number. Yeah. Um, Social Security is not going to cover enough of uh, your cost of living. Uh, I see studies that you know, people under the age of 40 don't believe in the stock market because all they've seen is 10 you know, crazy volatile years. So they're not saving anything. Zero. They'd rather have
2: you know, a vacation now and figure it out later. Do statistics ever scare you? Well, the problem is, is I've never known anybody that's actually been polled, so it's almost like they make these up. I don't know where they come from. I've never been asked anything. I've asked clients. They've never been polled. The scarier thing is just what I look to see what other people I know are, that are doing. For example, if I look at some people in their 30s, they're more worried about buying a house right now yeah. than putting money into their 401K. If you put a dollar into the 401K, the entire dollar goes to work. If you have a dollar, you take it home. You only have 60 or 70 cents left to put into a mortgage, which is a liability, right? So systematically save into your 401k, monthly put money into your Roth IRAs, max those options out before you get into a house, and you won't end up being one of these statistics if you start doing that in your 20s and 30s.
1: I recent oh, I didn't recently, but I remember there's always something to worry about, whether it's inflation or deflation or high oil or low oil, peak oil, are we going to run out? Me- financial media scares us. Mm-hmm. There's always a negative story. There's always... You know, a, a David Tice is not the guy who shorts the market, uh, who will always come out and say, you know, corporate America is a sham, it's not really working, stay away from it. Uh, what do you think about watching CNBC or not watching CNBC and continue to invest on a regular basis?
2: Yeah, I mean, CNBC is, you know, that whole five people on the screen arguing, saying the what ifs, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. I like the, the more direct news feeds like Bloomberg, for example, to give you the better idea of what's going on in the long run, Um, typically investing anytime it's an emotional with fear or panic or greed, that's when you get into trouble. So systematic saving, having a strategy that you stick with, that's how you win.
1: And then like I say, make love sweet love. Yes. Enjoy California. Enjoy the Pacific Northwest. Go on vacation. Systematic savings is the way to go and trying to get some of that noise out with a white noise filter of i.e. your life. Mm-hmm. you know, Live your life and continue to save from age 20 to 60. That's the best thing the average person can do. Absolutely. So with that said, that's CFP, Chad Burton. He works at New Focus Financial. He's a financial planner. He's got teams of financial planners. I have a tie to, to New Focus Financial. Great firm. You can find them online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Affording a home harder for the average buyer. I don't think this is a big shock deal. you. Stagnant incomes, higher home prices, climbing mortgage rates, affording a home is a lot more difficult than it has been since 2008. There's are some areas that are particularly unaffordable. And again, this is, I think, sad. Uh, seeing how hard people have to work just to get a home. San Francisco, you, median home price $781,000, median family income 101000 so the homes are only affordable to 19% of the people of San Francisco. San Jose, same problem, $640,000 median home price, median family income 101000 percent of homes that are affordable just 32%. Ogden, Utah, the median family home is 150000 median family income 70000 percent of homes that are affordable 92%. Not too shabby. Uh, but then again, who wants to live in Ogden, Utah? Interesting one that made the list, and I've heard good things, but I've never been. Indianapolis? Median home is 116000 Median family income, 65000 91.8% of the homes are affordable there. The haves and the have-nots. Sometimes it's where you decide that you're going to settle down, and perhaps you shouldn't have. To get your calls on the air, it's 800 1220 It's 800 1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and much, much more. Um, probably not murder. That's probably the one thing we, we won't talk about on the show. Uh, the whole Hyperloop hype from yesterday, eh. Couldn't quite get on board with it. Sorry, just not my thing. Now, again, is it important? Absolutely. Is it my thing? Not so much. It's Rob Black, your money on the Wall Street Business Network.
0: as a financial interest in the 60s. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Got a little
1: summer doldrums going on. Kinda winding down the summer, heading towards fall. Market seems to have a little bit of it too. Month of August feels blah. SP five hundred down five today, Dow down sixty, Nasdaq down thirteen. To talk about this and more, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
3: Hi Rob, doing fine, thank you.
1: Are you with me on this uh, little summertime blaws or are we gonna get some excitement coming in the coming months?
3: Right. No, I'm I'm with you. I think uh you know the market is kinda of sensing that it uh, needs some time here to take a breather and coming off of that uh that really big week a few weeks ago when you had the FOMC meeting the ECB meeting the July employment report um you know it kind of served as an inflection point there and that uh, the rally we saw off the late June lows and and so now we got some you know some profit taking that's setting in here understandably so i mean you saw the market Gain, uh almost 10% in the six-week period that began June 24th. So that's a tremendous run. And so, you know, what we're seeing here is you've got people that uh, are uh, on vacation. You know, it's a popular period for uh, vacation schedules, and, uh, and I think that's factoring into the uh, lackluster action we're seeing of late.
1: So I think there is a growing consensus, at least in the media, um, in that world. You're in the financial world. We're different worlds. Uh, that there's going to be a 1987 style crash. That September, October, we get the Fed, you know, announcing a new leader. We get the debt ceiling. We get, uh, you know, budget crisis. We get sequestration really starting to take more and more effect. Uh, we going to get a 1987 style crash? If you're a predictor, if you're a, a betting man, would you wager one's coming?
3: Right, well, of course, you know none of us uh has a perfect track record of predicting the future, uh, but we all certainly know the past, and it seems like uh uh just about this time every year, you seem to get these um uh commentaries or predictions, if you will, that the market is setting up for a very perilous period in September and October because well, you know that's when some nasty things have happened in the past now uh, You know, is it going to be – are we going to get a crash? You know, I don't know. I mean, what we've been selling our readers all along here as you ride this easy wave of liquidity is to make sure you're riding it with a life preserver, right? Um, Because you just don't know. I mean, the market is being artificially supported with the Fed policy, and uh, and strange things can happen in an an instant. Um, You can get some very, um, uh, if you will, some – weak-minded money in there, you know, where you get some investors that got in late on this rally, and they're quick to be shaken out at any, you know, sign of of a pullback, and uh, and if you have some news-driven event that gets the ball rolling, it can, it can, you know, escalate in a hurry. You know, a crash is not in our forecast. Um, we have said uh, here that we'd be more neutral on the market. Uh, we said as much in early June where we'd be selling into the strength, taking some profits off of the uh, the big run we've had because we think, frankly, that, you know, the easy money, if you will, has been made in this run. And, and now you're looking at uh, at near-term downside risk outweighing the near-term upside potential so you just have to be aware that uh you could get more of a a concerted pullback than we've seen of late but um you know no one knows for certain what the future holds and i'm not gonna go on record uh you know saying that we're gonna get a crash in october i know but i
1: had to ask because again that's the swirling sharknado moment of uh, we just have to find something to talk about in media and so microphone time Let's take a look at summer retail. Uh, did you see the numbers this morning?
3: I did, yeah. Um, you know, it was a good report, really. Uh, the retail sales uh, number came in line with expectations with the briefing.com consensus assessment. Retail sales were up two-tenths of a percent uh, in July and excluding autos, Uh, they were better than expected, up 0.5%. One thing that caught our eye really was the core retail sales number, and what that is, that's the retail sales number that excludes auto sales, gasoline station sales, and building material sales, and that was up a healthy 0.5%, and that's going to be a factor that rolls into the PCE component of the third quarter GDP report, so that's an encouraging signal there, and we see that being manifested in the Treasury market today where we've seen long-term rates back up noticeably because that's a data point that would arguably uh, fit the idea that the Fed will go ahead and announce a tapering decision in September.
1: I've heard people say both ways, that it's going to matter, that it's not going to matter about the Fed tapering, that we kind of already know, therefore we had our bad moment with it. What camp are you in? Is tapering going to materially affect the results on the stock market? Will it materially affect earnings? What's your thoughts?
3: Well, I don't know how it could not matter, right? I mean, the market has been artificially supported by QE1, QE2, QE3, Operation Twist, QE3+, plus, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, is that even though uh, monetary policy will be extremely accommodative still, any uh, move to start pulling back on that accommodation is is a clear signal that we're now moving into a period where you're getting You know, you're at the beginning of the end of all of this really extremely accommodative monetary policy, or at least we would think so. Um, And, you know, we think that that's going to certainly cause some some indigestion here for a market that's been so dependent uh, on a diet of monetary, uh, uh, on a diet of quantitative easing. And so, uh, you know, you've seen the adjustment in the treasury market, obviously, but, uh, and you're going to see that continue to trickle through, we think, uh, as it relates to the housing market, which has been a pillar of strength here. But, you know, Rising mortgage rates uh, are going to crimp you know, demand at the margin at the least and could have some some greater impact and we're seeing that concern reflected in a number of the home builder stocks, which have just been um, you know, uh, really beaten up uh, pretty hardly, notwithstanding all of the continued calls amongst economists that uh, the housing market's going to continue to be a positive contributor to GDP growth it's kind
1: of interesting. Um I'm reading between the lines that you said you almost used artificial stimulus. Do you not like the way the Federal Reserve has acted in the last five to ten years?
3: Well, you know, we we think that what you know, Mr. Bernanke and, uh, and his cohorts did, certainly in 2008, 2009, was was absolutely necessary, uh, and it has been without question a stabilizing influence for not only the you know, the stock market but certainly for you know the. the the real economy, in our estimation. Now, what what is becoming apparent to us, and has been apparent to us for a while, actually, is that, notwithstanding all the um, support that's been provided through quantitative easing, you're not getting enough bang for that buck as it relates to real economic growth. It was a stabilizing factor, but it's not making enough of a difference to really warrant, uh, you know, the continued um, aggressive purchasing that you know that, that persists today, and so. Um, so we think that, really, you're at that point here where kind of like the the costs are not necessarily – where well, the costs are becoming greater than the benefits, really, and it's probably time for the Fed to take a step back. Whether they will or not uh is hard to say. I mean, the economic data overall, in our estimation, doesn't necessarily support them, based on the grounds that the Fed has laid out, it doesn't necessarily support them pulling back in September. Uh, but uh, we also think that uh, – You know, a number of people there are are looking to get out of that program uh, as quickly as possible and will rationalize it by any means possible um, by looking at reports like the retail sales report as, as, you know, kind of uh, evidence for them that suggests it's, you know, worthwhile to start pulling back. So, uh, but that could create some problems if we see the pullback and then you get a weak employment report, saying in October and November, and everyone steps back and says, uh-oh, now the Fed has, you know, started to taper, uh, the economy's rolling over again, uh, they're going to have to come in and buy more, and that's just going to hit the Fed's credibility, and you're kind of in a whole new ballpark there as to whether, you know, the market really has faith left in the, the Fed's ability to manage, uh, the real economy through its quantitative easing program.
1: We've got about two minutes left in this segment, Mr. O'Hare. Anything that you want to highlight as important, relevant, that you're working with?
3: Yeah, well, you know, we're keeping a close eye on the um, the earnings report out of Walmart, which is coming out on Thursday. Um, you know, we've seen a uh, several retailers of late come out with some disappointing guidance. Uh, mall-based retailers, if you will. So Walmart's obviously a different animal in that respect. But Walmart uh obviously caters more toward the low to middle uh income consumer and um and we're curious to hear what, you know, what Walmart has seen as it relates to the demand from that uh income class, those income classes, uh, and looking at it as a potential sign for kind of how the economy might unfold here in the second half of the year. So it could be an important report there as it relates to, you know, kind of an overall big-picture point of view.
1: One last comment from you, please. Uh, Last week, I think we got the jobs numbers in between the time we talked. Mm -hmm. They looked a little weaker than we want them to if we're going to the thesis back half of the year. This is the first month of the back half of the year.
3: Thoughts? Right. You mean the July employment report or the initial claims report? I
1: was thinking July uh, employment report. Yeah,
3: July employment. Yeah, you know, um, you know, saw so aggregate earnings decline three tenths of a percent. So the retail sales strength we saw today was a bit surprising based on that number. But you're not getting a lot of real, uh, you know, su- you know, super strong job growth. And so that was not a report, in our estimation, that supported the case for a Fed tapering in September. And it certainly wasn't a. A report that suggests to us that you're going to see uh, escape velocity, um, you know, see the economy hit escape velocity in the second half of the year either.
1: Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com, Independent Live Market Analysis of U.S. International Markets. I like the content. I like the non-biased information. It's not going to teach you how to trade and make millions of dollars. There's no promises like that. But... If you're going to work with Wall Street, if you're going to play um, with your 401k and learn about things and educate yourself, I don't think there's any better people in the business than the people at Briefing.com. It's Briefing.com. We'll take a break here. Come back. Take a look in the markets. Talk about money. Talk about investing. I'll work on a story for you about your 401k in retirement. We'll take a break. Be right back.
0: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
1: We're back in Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Retail sales, for sure. Do you think we're headed for a market correction? Do you think we're heading for a very rough July, August, September retail sales numbers? You know, I don't really play into that. I I wish I could tell you that, you know... I'm all into the drama, but I'm not. I look at numbers. I try to work with them. You know, taking a look today, I see the 10-year Treasury back at 2.7%. We ran into a little bit of problem here a couple weeks ago. I look at the retail sales numbers. There's some good in it, mostly good. There was some bad in it. It does point to an improving economy. BlackBerry likely to go private um that's of note because i think they're up for sale according to the company's board of directors are at least considering it but at the same time i think uh who wants the hardware i think everyone wants the software and will that be enough to get it out of shareholders hands 800 516 1220. Lululemon CEO Christine Day stunned Wall Street when she announced she would leave the company. She was very much so the public face of the company. Rumors that Day had disagreed with the board's long term strategic view of outgoing CEO only fanned the flames by cryptically telling the media that my values include discretion. Investors hit the exits with shares of Lululemon dropping 20% in two days. Still no replacement. She's been gone for about two months. That's a problem. Um, Why is it a problem? They sell incredibly high quality sports apparel. They sell incredibly high quality sports apparel for both women and men. They just don't market to men. You know, trying to purchase a Basic golf shirts almost impossible for American males. The best brands are hard to find in size greater than medium. So, these companies have an issue. Nike, Under Armour, Lululemon. So, can a man shop at a predominantly woman's apparel maker store? They need to get a CEO that says, come on in, men. Because that message isn't getting out there right now saw some crazy statistics tied towards housing. Des Moines area home sales spiked 31% in July. July, Minneapolis, St. Paul homes up 19% year over year. Median price up 17%. Home sales in Salt Lake were up 17% year over year. Home sales in Northern Virginia in July up 24%. Prices up 8%. That's pretty impressive, right? Is it sustainable? It is not sustainable. That's the problem with it. So, one of the things that people try to do is have enough money till the day they die. I ran a cash flow analysis for a friend of mine who's 60 years old. He wants to work until he's 65. He hopes he works until he's 65. That's income coming in. So, ultimately, he'll have worked from, you know, 20 to 65. Most of us will probably work 20 to 60. Income coming in. Now, I ran a financial analysis for him and his wife. Roughly $2 million. If he keeps it invested, gets you know, draws down 4% a year. That'll give him about $90,000 a year. One of his problems is that he had a, a ton of it in cash. So he's got to put that cash to work because that's killing him right now. $700,000 of cash. So what do you do when you hit retirement? He's going to live until his money will not run out until he's 93 and she's 95. So he dies at 93, she dies at 95. That's a pretty fair assumption. Now, again, maybe I'm going to live a little bit longer because I'm younger and the medicine's improving, right? But $2 million a year will pay them about 90000 And if she dies at 93 and she dies at 95, they'll run out of money. Perfect factors in a little bit of social security but most of the social security is going towards you know medical care costs that climb six percent annually so do you raid your 401k when do you do it in his case i said work as long as you can you can borrow up to fifty thousand dollars of your vested balance that amount may be reduced if you've taken out a loan within the past year and the loan must be repaid within five years unless the loan is used by your main home you know Interest rate on a loan in a 401k, three and quarter percent If you leave the job, you have to repay the loan immediately or pay tax on the remaining balance. I tend to say, that's a tool. You know, one of the problems when you borrow money from your 401k is you miss out on the market upside in the last five years over 130%, right? One in five people who have a 401k have an outstanding loan on it, and we're at market all time highs, that's sad. Fifty percent of borrowers have taken out loans more than once on their 401k. It's not a piggy bank. It's your nest egg. It needs to last to your ninety three ninety five. It typically takes borrowers two to five years to return to their previous savings rate after they take out a loan. People who borrow from their 401k tend to save less. If I pay six or seven percent on a loan this year, I would have missed out on the fifteen percent earnings had it been invested in the market this year never borrow money on your 401k to pay for college costs you don't want to pay you don't want to like tap into your retirement to pay for your college you know all the red flags go up when people start doing their 401k for credit card debt again 401k is your nest egg it's supposed to last till ninety three ninety five. if you just call in there it's 800-516-1220 it's 800-516-1220 anything you want to talk about we can talk about Rob Black, your money. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. We've got a similar coming up in Los Gatos. A few Thursdays from now, you can find out more at RobBlack.com.
3: policy form. We should have done things sooner.
0: Be successful. What does success mean to you?
1: Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. Wall Street Business Network, KDOW 1220. What do you want to talk about? How about this for breaking news? Oh, that's what we need. We need a breaking news sounder. Mm, okay. I'll do my own right now. Breaking news. AMR, down 35% on Justice Department antitrust suit against the merger. That's breaking news. Department of Justice tried to block the Plan American U.S. Airways merger foreign markets have given it the okay, but ultimately our regulators stopped and said, you know what, this $11 billion merger would hurt competition, it would lessen competition in local markets throughout the United States and result in passengers paying higher airfares and receiving less service. Okay, now, I'm not going to get too much into that. But that's a good breaking story. And the airline industry for years and years and years was unprofitable. The collective billions of dollars lost throughout the last hundred years is staggering. So I call that a winner. For the consumer, a loser for shareholders. Affordable homes are getting tougher and tougher to find in the United States. But they do exist. Los Angeles, Santa Ana, New York... San Jose, or for the most unaffordable major cities in the United States, San Francisco, number one. Couldn't agree with that more. I did a piece last year, and again, I guess I'm mean, where a woman named Amanda called the show, and her husband worked in San Francisco, and they had three kids, and he made $60,000 working on a help desk. I'm like, you're going to work, he's going to work till the day he dies. You're not going to be able to pay for your kids to go to college. And it was just a cold wake-up call. And that's probably what I do best. And I gave her advice. I said, he should get a better job. He should work closer to home. Because if you're to live in San Jose, you're considered poverty at $77,000. You definitely can't afford your own home. You need over $100,000 to afford a home. And keep in mind, the median home in San Jose is $600,000. To afford that, in my opinion, not your real estate broker's opinion, but my opinion, a guy who does no financial harm by you, hopefully, um, you're going to have to have a salary of 200000 to afford a $600,000 home. Otherwise, you're going to be putting too much money into the home and not saving enough. Um So, we just do a financial reality check on the show. I saw something interesting that Gap is doing. Gap is going back to television ads. Its last TV campaign aired Christmas 2009. It's got its back-to-blue marketing push, and it's taking over the Internet. What? (laughs) Right? Stop there for a second. It's taking over the Internet. Namely, Tumblr. It's going to do a complete ad takeover on August 29th. It is the first brand ever to do so. The content will be user-created submissions of what blue means to them. I like what we're seeing. This is bad news for ABC, CBS, NBC. Kraft Foods Group is coming out with some strange ads for a new product line of nine meal starters. The campaign has a $30 million budget, star celebrity chefs as children. It's interesting, um, I saw yesterday that Jello is repositioning itself as not a dessert, but as a snack. Kids are deserting laughs. I know. It's tough to imagine, but it's true. So I like 21st Century, and I'm going to miss it when I die. The Hyperloop... I don't know if you saw the Elon Musk story yesterday, moving people from San Francisco to LA in 30 minutes for 20 bucks. Um, interesting, right? If get your calls in the air, it's 800 516 1220. It's 800 1220. Big economic data of the day. Retail sales rose in the month of July for the fourth consecutive month. Yay! Employment gains and rising household wealth tied to higher home values and stock prices are giving Americans confidence. Yay! Consumers are still able to go out there and spend despite headwinds from tax increases and the sequester. The sequester. Boston. Great city. Um, so, sales like Michael Kors Holdings, luxury goods company, reported first quarter profit topped expectations. Sales at automob- no, mobile, little, automobile dealers fell 1%. Cars and trucks sold at a 15.7 million annualized rate last month. That's a pretty good number. In our lows, we were like 14 million annualized rate. At our highs in the go-go go 90s and early 2000s, we were more like 17 million new cars. So there's some upside potential for cars. There's a automobile analyst for Auto Nation. He's the CEO of the company. His name's Michael Jackson. If my name was Michael Jackson, there's a pretty good chance I'm going by my middle name. I've got the worst middle name. Just so you know. Francis. Yes, I was named after one of the Kennedy middle names, but no nobody knows that. Do you know how brutal it was in 8th and 9th grade when the teacher goes, Robert Francis Black, and all the kids snicker? I think middle names should be cool. Danger and Trouble. If you have a male baby born and you name your kid's middle name Danger Trouble, I tip my hat to you because you're giving them the opening line to meet women for the rest of their life. My name is Danger's my middle name. And she goes, nah, And you pull out your ID and show it to her. That's cool. Those are cool parents. Except for when it turns that your kid's eight years old and... Who's going to be the first one to jump off the bridge? You go first. You're dangerous. you a mental name. Okay, so maybe not always the best idea. McDonald's um, is gaining. They're going to extend restaurants to shopping mall developers. Uh, McDonald's is gaining as you know part of the economy of consumer spending. Retail is out there. Louis Louis Town Boy Hennessy, I hate you. Um, they're rebounding, reporting accelerating sales. So, we do have some, you know, bits and pieces of data out there today. To get your calls in the air, it's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's 800-516-1220. We got the S P five hundred down three, the Nasdaq down ten, the Dow down forty six, gold down 10 year treasury sits two point seven one percent. It's interesting to watch Larry Ellison's talking about Apple and how they won't be as successful without Steve Jobs. He refers to Google's Page as acting evil. <laughs> I know these some of these stories are just off today, right? Um, let's see if we got any emails to chit chat about.
0: Nope.
1: Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. So today is really about retail sales, but honestly. I think people are starting to say, you know, what's going to happen in September. People are on vacation. Take a break here. Don't forget to get a minute coming up in Los Gatos a couple Thursdays from now. You can find out more about it at the Toll House Hotel. It's a hotel made out of cookies. It's pretty unique on that level alone. Take a break here. We'll be right back on AM twelve twenty KDOW.
2: Up, really. Minute
3: stocks fell on Wall Street, giving the step... Oh.
1: Welcome back again, Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, retail sales were big this morning. Employment gains and rising household wealth, obviously helping. Economic data is little, I'm not going to say tough to come by right now. Um, but I am going to say that the economic data that's out there right now is uh, tr- transitioning to the back half of the year where we can have a lot of sales tied towards retail, back to school, and holidays. So we'll see exactly how strong the consumer is. Again, the consumer needs a job, and that's been a slow, steady thing, but there hasn't been a lot of wage inflation Friday's numbers from China suggest a degree of stabilization that if sustained along with more positive news from advanced markets should help curtail risks to emerging Asia. Europe is slowly but surely getting better. It is a sure thing at this point in time that it is improving. Get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Bill Ackman quits the JCPenney board. He's not selling shares because he can't but will he sell shares when he can? SP 500 down 3, the Dow down 46, the NASDAQ down 10. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton from NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. Chad, there's been a lot of headlines about ETFs and how individuals can trade them for free. Let's talk
2: about ETFs and what people need to know. Yeah, it, I mean, this is should be a core holding in people's portfolios, but it needs to be a core holding in the right place, and they need to be used properly. ETF stands for exchange traded fund. We know mutual funds are actively managed or passively managed. Um, same thing with ETFs. Yeah, now I mean they start off as passively managed products. So you, the best known ones are spiders symbol SPY, where you can buy the S and P 500, um, or QQQs. That's the other big one that is based on the Nasdaq. Um, you can look at the holdings there easily. Um, ETFs, they trade all day long and you can, you have to, the, the holdings are reported on a daily basis. When you buy a mutual fund, if you trade in the morning, whether it's a buy or sell, you don't get the price till the end of the day. So mutual funds trade once a day, at the end of the day, they figure out the net asset value. ETFs are considered more transparent. They trade all day long. So you could do things like stop losses. If you've decided you want to sell something. Um, You can do limit orders. It's a little bit easier to use, but the idea is that they're a little bit cheaper typically than the mutual fund, and they're a great tax-efficient way to get broad-based exposure in the right areas. And when I say the right areas, I like uh, if you're trying to do broad-based exposure into large caps or mid caps or certain sectors. That's when they work well. Um, Also, certain strategies like some of the dividend-increasing ETFs that are out there. Um, Vanguard has one. um, S&P has one. Those are great tools. Where I don't like them is in the areas of small cap or emerging markets or international because I think you need a manager to be a little bit smarter in terms of what companies in the international indexes you truly, truly want to own. As a financial planner, as a portfolio manager,
1: what are some of the products other than ETFs that you include in overall portfolios?
2: Well, I like them all. So a lot of firms out there will say, well, I'm only an index fund investor, or I'm only a managed mutual fund investor, or I'm only a stock picker. Um, I decided a long time ago that I was never going to put myself in a box because things change, and I like stocks in certain specific areas, like dividend-increasing stocks. I like ETFs in large and mid-cap, and I like managed funds for my small cap, some of my mid-cap International or things like if I'm investing in certain types of oil and gas companies. Um, So there's good and bad in everything. And you can't just say you're one thing as an investor because as soon as you do that, you're probably going to be wrong. There's a person who espouses buy and hope is dead and buy and hold is
1: dead. And, you know, I I don't, where you say you don't put yourself in a box, I hate people that put themselves in boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to have an open mind. I think a Republican Congress is different than a Democrat Congress. I think a Republican president is different than a Democrat con- pro- Like, it changes how you might say, I, I feel a little bit better about, uh, you know, international companies. I feel a little bit better about defense companies.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you had to get a little bit more active, I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have ignored the fundamentals. but Or the not the fundamentals, but the technicals. So... Now, though, I'll use kind of quantitative analysis, just certain quant screens to narrow down the choices of stocks that we're going to look at because there's so many out there, right? And then uh, use fundamentals to determine which companies you want to buy, and then you use technicals as the last resort to just make sure that the entry point that you want to achieve is correct. Sometimes you don't want to buy until the chart looks maybe a little bit better and things have turned. Um, Sometimes you don't want to sell until the chart starts to break down. Um, but it's not the first. I mean, people that only trade on technicals, show me one that's been really successful and always beat the market over the long run. Yeah, and if I were to give it my Call of Duty analysis,
1: it would be like bringing a sniper rifle into a city battle. You don't do it. You bring a sniper battle, a
2: rifle into a wide-open desert. You know, I... I Six months ago, I would have not known what you were talking about, but I finally played it with my son, and I realized how horrible I am at video games. Oh, yeah. I spent half the time shooting the wall or looking up <laughs> looking up in the sky. I can't get my thumbs to work the same way. It's, it's horrible. It's awesome. So <laughs> as a financial planner,
1: you know the right tools to use in the right scenarios. As a video game player, you don't, right. so you don't play video games. Same thing with investing. If you don't know the difference between an index ETF or... Uh, one that's more actively managed, what the costs are, what uh, different presidencies, what different inflation areas. Low inflation, you can make a lot of money. High inflation, it's tough to win in the market, and it's easy to win in the bond market.
2: So different scenarios win in different um, environments. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a certain point where interest rate increases are okay, but after that, there might be a time to overweight in bonds again. Good stuff. Tune in every day. Chad Burton is live and on the air
1: Mondays from 6 to 7 on KDOW. You can also find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I am the stock master. No, I don't have a stupid name like that. But I could. So, the Justice Department, the Justice Department, challenging U.S. Airways AMR merger. Very interesting. Um, I always want more competition in my airlines. I would love to see Elon Musk do the tube. The Hyperloop, and uh, the problem with that seems to be every jurisdiction doesn't want to you know, snarl traffic for months and months and months as they set up some new technology and infrastructure. Of course, that would be good for our economy because it's jobs of so putting up some new infrastructure. I'm a big fan of the idea. What billionaire will step up and fund it? I don't know. I don't even know the political factions would let you do it at this point in time. We have a down market today. Not by a lot, but enough that, again, it's the summer doldrums. SP 500 down 2. down down 34. NASDAQ down 6. I give you permission to leave the room. If you get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. If you get your calls in the air, it's 800 Big event coming up in September. Toll House Hotel. It's a hotel made of cookies. It's going to be a retirement planning event. If you can learn more about it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
0: And your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio station. Welcome back
1: again, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Got a retirement boot camp coming up. Toll House Hotel, 639 September 12th. So it's one month from today, roughly. Give or take. To get your calls in the air, it's 800 1220 It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about um one of the things that I like to look at is some of the, you know, I would just refer to it as the more hardcore data. And economically speaking, that doesn't always make good television, which you could probably imagine I'm trying to do the best I can uh, with television and radio, talking about the economy in an entertaining kind of way. I sometimes want to talk in sound bites to get people motivated. You know, I told you I ran a cash flow analysis for one of my friends who's got $2 million. He's 60 years old. And he's got $700,000 in cash. And if he allocates it properly and gets historical market performance and only pulls out 4% or less, he keeps, you know, three years of his budget in cash or cash equivalents. He should be able to refresh his cash or cash equivalents until he's about 93, 95. 93 for him, 95 for his wife. Um, I think that's a great thing to say. You need $2 million for you and your spouse to live off $90,000 a year till the day you die. Now, again, that's not going to take into effect everything from emergencies. You know, a new roof not factored into his $90,000 a year budget. So he's going to have to save He's going to have to have some emergency money there. Now, I can say $2 million, and that motivates you because you get it. That's a big number that you have to have as a liquid asset before you retire. Unemployment. In Europe, this is a little bit tougher to talk about. Youth unemployment in Greece and Spain is at records 58.7% and 56.1%. So Greece is at 58 Spain at 56%. Now, youth unemployment is important to talk about because they're going to buy my house. Now, in Europe, they're not buying my house, but they're buying someone's house down the road. The long-term trend growth rate as a generation is left without skills needed to participate in the workforce. I'm worried. That same story is playing out here in the United States with one in three people under the age 30 living with mom and dad. When they should be out there learning how to survive, maxing out their 401K, buying a house, buying a condo that they're eventually going to sell because they're going to realize, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to make a baby at some point and I need a house and not a condo. So I look at some of the data, and again, some of it's easier to tell stories around, some of them not so easy. One of the things I like to do is black-on-black Ask myself questions. Like, our culture is so divided. Have I, has it ever been seen this bad so f- in time? You know, I think there's some divergences. I think there's some convergences. America's much more of a suburban and urban country than it was 50 years ago. And obviously, a lot of indicators of inequality are at levels that we haven't really seen in 70 or 80 years. When I look at the millennials and what they're missing out on, I do, I know. I know I'm a half. I'm not the 1%, but I'm certainly not, you know, struggling. Do I want to blame Washington? I think there's a lot of reasons why there's inequalities in the United States. And It's not just Washington. There's a lot of factors like trade, globalization, technology. There's a lot of factors like we uh, don't push our kids in math and science. And those are the high-paying jobs. So I think there's a widening inequality because we don't push for math and science. I'm looking at the municipal bond market. I think most states have put their houses in order. I think most cities have put their houses in order. I think there's been a lot of belt tightening, but I think there's going to be more. We've promised too much to too many. You know, American companies operating internationally—that's part of my investment theme. American companies in Europe are going to rise and fall with you know the fortunes of the Euro project, and it's, it is a project. When Europe got together and said, "Let's come up with one currency, let's become a stronger nation, group of nations." I think right now Europe is bottoming out, and I think that's a positive, because it has upside. I think the United States retail sales in autos were, meh, okay, soft. But that's positive, because I think it has upside. I think Wall Street has a lot of risks that people don't know. I got an email yesterday that basically got mad at me, because he called the show, and He's like, yeah, I've got some fun money, and I bought a stock that's done well. When should I sell it? I'm like, oh, what a mess. First and foremost, I'm not a fun money kind of guy. I'm max out your 401k, 403b, 457. I'm going to accumulate assets. I don't think the average person should be day trading out there. I don't think the average person has the understanding of the various levels of risk. You know, do you know what an equity risk premium is? Do you know what inflation risk is? Media risk, political risk, currency risk. There's a lot out there. So, risk versus reward. The higher the risk, the greater the reward? No. The higher the risk, the more likely you're going to fail. Just so you know. So, what else do I need to talk about? Um... Gap is doing a television ad on Tumblr where they're basically taking over the whole day. It's kind of interesting. Breaking Bad, publicly traded company, ticker symbol AMCC, uh, debuted to record eyeballs in the recent new season. What's nice to note about that, or what's not nice to note about that, is you know how at some point in time Breaking Bad ends, right? People will continue to binge it on Netflix. Yeah, it'll probably be resold numerous times. Maybe even into syndication. I don't know if they got enough episodes to do that, but maybe. Vince Gilligan will go on and move, create new shows. People will watch his career diligently. I'm excited for him because I think Breaking Bad was a great experiment. You know, FX basically looked at it and said you know what we've got too many anti-heroes we don't really need another one they were still uh, involved in the shield good cop bad cop kind of scenario but what was cool about that was instead of buying the project and then you know killing it later they let it go back out on the market he knew it was a good show but he let it go back out on the market and get, get bought ultimately nice to see Elon Musk's Hyperloop plan. What's interesting to note about it is the cost of energy. It's incredibly cheap with this plan. And you would think that would be an easy, automatic sell for politicians and people like you and me. like People who don't like to fly, you just get in a tube and push your way down to L.A., 20 bucks. 20 bucks, like, who doesn't want that to happen? Airlines. Oil companies but also municipalities is you would have to build kind of the infrastructure for it in California that's going to be expensive because you've got to earthquake it we don't want a little shaky shaky sitting in your 700 mile per hour tube flying in the air so I once read when I was like 16 like a high school kid that the Dental Association, American dentists, had bought the patent that could have, like, it was a coating that you can coat your teeth at an early age and they'd never get cavities. And the Dentist Society bought it up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I was a little too influential at 16. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to each calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to each calls on the air. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Let's see what else. Sears pulls leather bondage wear from their website. I don't think there's any bigger story there. Fifty Shades of Grey. clearly retailers trying to take advantage of that storyline. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Get your calls in the air at 1220 Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
0: visit Rob Black online at robblack.com now back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW welcome
1: back again, Rob Black and your money I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's get to a quick phone call. We've got a caller on the line. Biswa? Yeah, hi. Uh, I wanted to ask you what you thought about the prospects of uh, international markets, both uh, developed and emerging, especially when you factor in currency risk. I think it's an important part of a portfolio for the long-term investor. Uh, there is a difference between international markets and emerging markets. What's your opinion on international markets? Yeah, there seems to be some
3: turmoil, right, in the emerging market space right now. And sure. uh, even uh, in the developed markets, there's economic going on. So when you factor in currency fluctuations
1: and all that, it's not clear that they have the growth story that they used to have, the, you
3: know, the last five years. So I'm thinking vis-a-vis the U.S., whether it's a better place to... Put
1: uh, less or more money on? Yep. Um, I certainly think the risks are out there. I think the emerging markets, which have typically been um, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and others, have some problems. Um, I think South Korea, for instance, and thanks for the call, has turned into a scenario where basically it's Samsung and Kia. Um, I don't think you could have all your risks in the United States. When I was a young man, the formula was probably 80% U.S., 20% international. I think now that number can go higher, depending on how much volatility you should have in your portfolio. As you get older, you should have less volatility, in theory. Um, but again, it's going to be totally up to you to figure out how this uh, works for you or doesn't work for you. Um, I think there is the story of the middle class being created in foreign markets. I think you're starting to see a lot of frustration uh, that shows you be cautious with international markets. Know that they're going to be more volatile than your U.S. markets. You know, the protest that we've seen in Brazil is because they want more, better education. They want better infrastructure. They want, you know, the government to stop being corrupt and stop spending money poorly. They don't want the Olympics. They want basically you know, liberal rights and standards, and you can't blame them. If you take a look at India, um, India is not a country of snake charmers. India is a fast-developing, well-fleshed-out political system, great college system, that a lot of uh, Indians come to America, get a great education, go back and take lessons of capitalism with them. Uh, You look at China, and China's going to have some fits and starts, and I don't really believe everything that comes from China. But there's no doubt that they're creating more of a middle class. When companies like Apple say, we're doing everything we can to improve factory conditions, and factory conditions apparently are pretty horrible. Regardless of the humanitarian angle, there is improving conditions. Um, Wage increases are happening. Ultimately, that will be a bad thing for the U.S., Or we'll start shifting where we manufacture things like we have already started to do so. For instance, uh, Ford GM said yesterday that, you know, we're going to probably have to leave South Korea because it's gotten too unionized and too expensive to do business there. So are there currency risks? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is the United States the best house on the worst block right now? Yeah. Are you going to make money next year? I don't know. I really don't know. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I think you're playing a longer-term tr- game if you believe in international and emerging markets. Do I think Visa and MasterCard are going to do transactions worldwide? I do. So I don't think you have to take too much risk. Um But then again, it depends on where you are with your portfolio. Let's see what we got here as far as market stories go. Best paid women in the SP 500 settle for less with 18% gender gap. That's pretty shocking. And that's the best paid. Now, again, that could be skewed in large part because you get one CEO like uh, Larry Allison. Know, and how much he pays himself. Again, best paid is part of this whole angle. CFO at Oracle pulled in $51 million last year. The CEO at Yahoo, Marissa Mayer, pulled in $36 million. These are all women. Facebook COO, Sheryl Sandberg. Um, she's terribly well compensated, as well you would expect. But last year, the five best-paid executives at each of the Standard Poor's 500 index companies, um, out of the five best executives, only eight percent were women. There you go. I don't see a 1987-style crash coming. Not yet. To get your calls in the air, it's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. The SP 500 is down 1, the Dow down 26, the NASDAQ down 4. Orbit's shares are plunging after the largest investor sold a third of stake. That's kind of shocking. Right. One analyst is saying Apple can go back to 570 soon. Apple's have quietly been putting together a nice run on Wall Street. It's above its 100-day moving average for the first time in a while. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Take a break here. Talk to you in 22 hours. It's Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. Hi, this is Rob Black from Rob Black and Your Money. Over the years on my radio show, I've heard from people like you who've been burned by buying expensive and wrong financial products from people that don't have your best interests in mind. Naturally, I've developed relationships with people in the financial industry you can trust. So if you need a new home or refi mortgage or reverse mortgage, if you need insurance like home, automobile, life, or commercial, or maybe you need a financial planner, get in touch with me. And I'll give you a trusted financial referral. Email me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at
0: robblack.com. It's The Ray Lucia Show coming up next here on the Bay Area's business.